Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, False Prevention for Older Adults. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on February 13, 2019. In this podcast, David Rubin, Chief of Geriatrics at the University of California, Los Angeles, gives an overview and background regarding the issue and risk factors of fall prevention for older adults. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm going to begin with uh, some background about falls in older adults. Next slide, please. So I always try to put a uh, face and a name uh, to a, a health issue, and uh, I, I, I'm not able to uh, put faces and names that uh, all 2,500 of you would know individually, but I did pick out uh, four people who uh, are, were pretty famous people who uh, died because of falls. And the first you see is uh, Catherine Graham, who was the uh, owner uh, and publisher of the Washington Post, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, a very famous uh, author, uh, Robert Culp, a television um, actor, uh, and uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, all of whom died because of falls. Next slide, please. Okay. So uh, to give some idea of the magnitude of the problem, about one in three older Americans fall each year. And of those who fall, about uh, 20 to 30 percent have moderate or severe injuries. And these are, these are enough to really uh, get you into trouble. Hip fractures is the most prominent of them, head trauma, lacerations. But uh, in spite of this uh, important health problems, Fewer than 50% of uh, older persons discuss their falls with their primary care provider. Falls are the leading cause of both fatal and non-fatal injuries. And the risk of falls-related injury, these hip fractures, these uh, head uh, trauma, increases with age, particularly those who are over 75 years of age. Uh, past falls predicts fractures independent. Uh, go back to the previous slide, please. So uh, past falls predict uh, fractures independent of osteoporosis risk. And because older adults uh, who are duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid uh, experience a number of chronic conditions, and we'll go through some of these in just a moment, they are particularly vulnerable to falls and the consequences. Next slide, please. So what causes falls? Uh, they tend to be multifactorial, in other words, more than one factor, but the factors can be divided into three categories. Uh, intrinsic, and these are things that uh, the person themselves experiences, such as poor balance, weakness, chronic illness, visual or uh, cognitive impairment. Uh, extrinsic, and this is things that we as healthcare providers tend to do in terms of giving them drugs that might uh, increase the risk of falls. And then environmental, so this might be poor lighting, uh, thick carpeting. One of my patients uh, who I saw on Monday uh, fell because of a, 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 um, a problem with the curb. Um, when accidents, when falls occur, um, so uh, falls may be the presenting complaint uh, of, um, of other more serious illness. For example, somebody develops a pneumonia, they're doing pretty well before they have the illness, and then when they get the pneumonia, they become weak and fall. So they're presenting because they fell, but in fact, the real problem was pneumonia. And we see this with stroke and sometimes influenza or other kinds of dehydration. 
Next slide, please. So the, the risk factors for falls, and this is compiled from a lot of literature uh, and, and published articles, um, uh, are a number. And I want to just emphasize that those who uh, these risk factors that have asterisks beside them uh, double the risk, twice as likely to uh, to fall. So obviously, uh, people who have had prior falls, where there's uh, uh, that's a very high predictor of future falls. Even if they haven't fallen and they have fear of falling, it's an increased risk. Uh, number of chronic condition pain sites. So the more uh, sites where you have pain, if you have pain, uh, is a, a very strong predictor. Uh, Parkinson's disease, uh, any pain, uh, if you already are using a walking aid, such as a cane or a walker, increases the risk of falling. Uh, if they have problems with their gait, uh, if they have vertigo or other dizziness, if they're taking anticonvulsant medicines, and then there's a whole category of drugs, which we'll go to in just a moment, which are called fall risk increasing drug, or uh, FRIDs is what we call them. Next slide, please. So these are the FRIDs, um, and um, they fall into several categories. Uh, benzodiazepines, these are the uh, Valium and the Ativans uh, that um, uh, are, are um, used commonly, uh, probably more commonly than they should be, particularly for older people. Uh, the first anti-generation uh, antihistamines, these are drugs like Benadryl, anything that can be purchased over the counter that says PM uh, is generally a, a first-generation antihistamine. Uh, skeletal muscle relaxants such as uh, Soma is an example of that. Uh, Long-acting hypoglycemic agents. These are drugs that were commonly used for uh, treatment of diabetes, um, but they can cause hypoglycemia and uh, cause falls. Uh, tertiary tricyclic antidepressants, uh, and these are uh, drugs that are used a little less nowadays, particularly in older people, but they're still used. And an example is Elevil. And finally, the drug that nobody thinks of as a drug, but is very important in increasing falls risk, and that is alcohol ingestion. Next slide, please. So I'd like to talk a little bit about screening and assessment. And first, to define screening, uh, screening is to identify people who are at risk of falling. And fortunately, the Medicare uh, annual wellness visit actually requires screening for falls, but it does not uh, give a specific requirement on, on how the screening should be done. Uh, and they permit uh, both using screening questions or direct observation of strength, gait, and balance. Uh, some recommended questions uh, that I uh, like to uh, uh, recommend uh, include three. Uh, we, these are used also in stride study, which you'll hear about in a moment. Have you fallen and hurt yourself in the past year? Have you fallen two or more times in the uh, past year? And this, in, in some studies, have shown to be the best predictor of future falls-related injuries. So these are people you really want to intervene on. And then finally, that uh, do you fear falling because of your balance or your gait? Next slide, please. So uh, then uh, falls assessment, uh, once you've identified someone as having a high risk of uh, falling, 
then uh, the assessment is really the process of identifying why the person is falling and then doing something about it to reduce the risk. So fortunately, again, um, Medicare, um, through its MACRA and Merit-Based Incentive Payment Program, which is referred to as MIPS, uh, actually uh, uses this as a quality measure. Uh, there are two quality measures that relate to falls assessment. The first is the percentage of people 65 years of age or older with a history of falls who had a uh, falls risk assessment completed within 12 months. And then the second is the percentage of people who are 65 uh, or older who have a history of falls that have a, a plan of care um, for falls documented. So this is uh, further uh, in-depth uh, looking for risk factors and then doing something about them. Next slide, please. In 2011, the American Geriatric Society and the British Geriatric Society uh, came up with a, uh, a list of what should be assessed. And I believe this may actually be uh, in revision now. They're, they're working on updating this. But the, um, the kinds of things uh, are, are things that we've heard before, uh, where people have a history of falls, medications, and then some specific uh, components, muscle strength. Uh, gait, balance, and mobility, uh, visual acuity, neurologic impairments such as uh, signs of uh, Parkinson's disease, uh, heart rate and rhythm, uh, postural hypotension. This is when people stand up and their blood pressure falls and that predisposes them to, uh, to falling. Uh, poor feet and footwear and environmental hazards. Next slide. So um, this is a great audience to speak about the, uh, the quality problem. Uh, in a number of studies that have been conducted over the past uh, couple decades, uh, the quality of care for falls um, has been poor and uh, considerably less so than if some, the quality of care for hypertension or diabetes or if somebody had a stroke. Uh, generally, it's kind of in the uh, 30 to 50 percent of quality indicators are met. So these quality measures can actually help organizations improve uh, area, uh, find areas for improvement. Next slide, please. So I'm going to give you an example of a quality indicator for falls, and this is taken from uh, Assessing Care of Vulnerable Elders project that was conducted by uh, RAND and UCLA a number of years ago. But each of these quality indicators is based on strong enough evidence uh, that not producing uh, the care process is bad care. So this isn't just recommended care. This isn't just guideline-based care. This is uh, care that if you're not doing it, 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 it's bad. And typically these are uh, framed as if and then statements. So if uh, somebody is at risk, then the specific care process should be done. And here's a, a very good example uh, that is from the ACO quality indicators for falls. If an individual reports a history of two or more falls or one fall with injury in the previous year, then there should be documentation of a basic gait, balance, and strength evaluation within three months of the report because detection and uh, treatment of gait and balance disorders reduces the risk of future falls. 
So this is how uh, quality indicators are constructed. Next slide, please. And these are uh, ACOV3 quality indicators, and they, re they are very similar to those that the American Geriatric Society, British Geriatric Society, uh, had recommended uh, that uh, all older uh, people should be screened, a uh, falls history beat should be conducted if somebody has fallen, uh, orthostatic vital signs, these are the postural blood pressures, an eye examination, a gait uh, balance and strength evaluation, a cognition evaluation, home hazard evaluation, uh, discontinuing benzodiazepines like Valium and uh, Ativan, an assistive device uh, for balance disorders, and uh, an exercise program. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes a full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated and coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about the current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.